This is People Every Day. Coming up, Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade open up to people's Eileen Nahas about life, love, and parenting young girls. Plus, Kelly Rippa and Mark Consuelos' traditional marriage, Bethany Frankel on online dating, and singer Vanessa Carlton talks hit A Thousand Miles 20 years later. It's April 28th. Hey there, this is People Every Day, and I'm Janine Rubenstein. It is Wednesday, and there's so much out there to get into, so let's just dig right in, shall we? Uh, to later in the show, we have a treat for you, because my colleague Ali Nahas is sitting down with a couple I think we are all obsessed with, actress Gabrielle Union and her hubby, former NBA star Dwayne Wade, and they open up about their bond and their lives as parents, including what it's been like to be quite arguably the, the most famous parents of a transgender child, their 13-year-old daughter, Zaya. It's such a great interview. You do not want to miss it. But right now, let's talk top stories. And these all center around some pretty interesting celebrity couples as well. I'm here with the head of people.com, Zoe Ruderman, to break down all of the news. Hi, Zoe. There is nothing I like more than talking about other people's relationships. (laughs) I am your girl today. I love it. Well, let's start with Kelly Ripa and Mark Consuelos. Um, and they are doing a lot of talking recently. They went on to the Double Date podcast and just let it all hang out, right? So what were the big takeaways about their relationship? You know, it was so funny. The two words, the phrases that stuck with me is they called their relationship traditional and old fashioned, which like I never okay. would have described. I'm like, no, they're cool. They're progressive. They're like the parents that we all want. But when they talked about their relationship, I actually found myself being like, um, you're incredibly old fashioned and really traditional. It was actually really fascinating. I sort of started to feel like I was hearing about a couple in like the 1950s. It felt very, very <laughs> traditional. It was super surprising. You know, they talked about like he handles all the finances and she just doesn't. He's really good at math. You know, she lets him handle all of that. But for some reason, it didn't like rub me the wrong way. It was just them being really honest. And it wasn't them saying like, this is how it has to be. It was just like, this is what works for us, you know? Because that's a big, that's a big thing. Like do what you do. Like, you know, make sure that your situation, everybody's situation is different. So make sure that it works for you. Totally. It made me feel less bad about the fact that should I admit that my husband does most of the finances in our relationship? But it's not because I'm like, these are the gender roles we have to fit. It's just because I am terrible at math and I should not be doing that. When it comes to the writing, I handle all of that. He handles yeah, all yeah, the yeah. math. Yeah. I just don't feel like it. I have too much going on. I'm too busy. Totally. Like, I could totally do it if I needed to, but why? But you don't need to. Yeah. Okay. I feel less guilty about it. The fact that we're both saying this, but you know, they talked about other things too, like the fact that, you know, she took a job, um, on the, on live where she stayed in New York. So she was able to really focus on the kids. And Mm -hmm. he's an actor who goes off, he's on set, he's traveling and he's in foreign countries. He misses a lot of the stuff with the kids, but they said, that's what makes it work for them. She actually said like, I don't even think he'd be able to sign up a kid for a ballet class or religion class if he had to, (laughs) because I take that on. So, and it wasn't resentful. It wasn't like, I wish he had done this. It was, they had a conversation early on in their relationship about how is this going to work and what works for us. And the thing that I took away from the episode that they were on was that it's all about communication. It's about, this is what I want to get out of this. This is what's important to me. For sure. And, and they're, and they're good with it 
as well. Like, I, I like the fact that he was also pushing her in the other direction. She wasn't even going to take on live. He was the one who kind of pushed her to say like, hey, like, you know, this is a great opportunity. You should do it. Yeah. The one thing that gave me pause was when um, he said something like there's only room for one man in this relationship. And it's okay. me. And I was like, OK, if my husband said that to me, I would be like, well, what do you mean by that? Because Sure. There's only room for one man. You are that man. But what I loved was Kelly said that she actually has watched him evolve and she watches mm. how he is with their daughter, Lola. And she said, like, he's taught her not to take a backseat to any man. So yes, you know, there's that sort of like macho side of him that maybe feels a little bit old fashioned and traditional, but he's, he's certainly teaching his daughter not to let a man kind of hold her back or stand in her way. Okay, well, well, let's shift over to a couple um, that is not there yet. Okay, uh, Bethany Frankel, uh, who is very happy in her relationship to Paul Vernon, businessman and, and producer. Um, they are together and her fiance. But uh, she talked about how they met, which I thought was so interesting and is making headlines right now. She admitted that they met on a dating app. I love this. And I don't even think of it as admitting there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Like, I mean, Janine, how many like Tinder, Bumble, J-Date weddings have you been to? Right. Those are all the weddings that I go to. My sister's was met on a dating app. And then I met Doug on Facebook. Oh, you're old school. (laughs) Old school. My My cousin met his girlfriend on Friendster. So they've got you beat. That's oh, even older school. Wow, that is yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's really cool. She's come out of some rough relationship situations, a very, very contentious divorce um, that, you know, really was like eight years to untangle and, you know, re- just very recently um, sort of was finalized. So yeah, she she knows what she wants. And it sounds like she got what she wanted. I love that um, when she finally met Paul, she was like, oh, he's better than advertised, which is the exact opposite of what, opposite of what you hear. Says. All my friends <laughs> who are online dating are like, you are not 6'2". How dare you advertise yourself like that? Let's talk about some of the other stars uh, that have just come out and said like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm swiping right. Swiping there are left. so many of them. Yeah. So Ryan Lochte actually met his wife um, on Tinder which is so cool. I love that they they met there. Also, like, imagine swiping through Tinder and you see Ryan Lochte and his speedo. And you're like, yes, I think I would like to go on a date with you. Um, yeah. Um, Andy Cohen has been on Tinder. He's talked about it pretty openly. Lizzo went on Raya. And Raya is the sort of okay. like, yeah. I just learned about Raya. So can you explain that really quickly? Yeah. So this is, and I'm not speaking from experience, by the way. I've been married for a while and with my husband for a while. Um, this is like a, it's a dating app for celebrities or people who are, I would say like celebrity adjacent. So this is kind of the, it's very exclusive. You have to be admitted. It's not like you can just download the app and you're in. There's something called Raya friend passes. So like if you know someone who knows someone who knows someone, you can get in. So there's a little bit of like sort of cross-pollinating like Hollywood, non-Hollywood people. But this is where a lot of celebrities are meeting up with people either for like, you know, one night stand kind of relationships or potentially longer relationships. Wow, wow, wow. (laughs) <laughs> I know. Wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall of Raya? Lizzo, right? She talked about Raya? Yeah, Lizzo was on Raya. She said she basically did it just so she could um, meet up with John Mayer, but it didn't work. So she's not <laughs> on it. I love that she was like, that is my one goal here. Oh, now I have to, now I have to get an invitation. I hope my <laughs> husband doesn't find out, but I got to figure this out. <laughs> oh my goodness, Zoe, thank you so much. Thank you. Talk soon. I'm 
pretty sure that when I say the words making my way downtown, most of you listening know the hit song that that comes from and could probably finish the lyric for me. And for the few of you who don't know, I'm talking about the song A Thousand Miles. And I have singer, songwriter and Broadway star Vanessa Carlton, the woman behind the smash hit, which was released 20 years ago. Crazy, right? On with me today to talk about that, the recent documentary about that song, and her musical career journey in the years since. So hi, Vanessa. How are you? Hi. Nice to be with you. It's nice to be with you as well. So we're all at home right now. You can see my background. Well, you just did a documentary at your parents' house, right? Like, <laughs> you, you can see your mom or... So it, the, the documentary that just came, the Vice documentary that just came out was filmed last summer when I was in quarantine with my parents. Like my family moved in with my family, like, wow. you know, my, my daughter moved in with my parents. Um, and like, it's it so funny. It didn't occur to me until a couple weeks ago before it was going to come out. I'm like, oh my God, are people going to think I like, like, oh, what is, what a journey she's had. She's. She's now moved back in with her parents. No. <laughs> yeah, she's living with them. And, you know, she's trying, you know, it's like, it was like, it was like, I emailed Dan. I was like, can we somehow verify, like, or just clarify that, like, I'm living there with them because of the virus, you know? Yeah, you like, like a lot I mean? of people last year. <laughs> it's interesting because I, I don't know if you have what your relationship is like with your parents or your mom, but you know, we've had our ups and downs and it was just so wonderful to be able to like see my mom and I and our relationship through the eyes of the documentary. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, it, we've come a long way. So nice. And of course, your childhood home is where you wrote your song, A Thousand Miles, at 17 years old. It has been a hit that has just existed and thrived, you know, throughout the years. So how how does that make you feel? Did that bring up some of the memories when you were back there last year? It was actually very helpful because my mom has like these like shrines to her kids, you know, so, so I also had to say, Dan, like the, the vice team, I was like, you know, this is not my home. I do not have shrines to myself. Like with all the, <laughs> you know, my mom has all the, whatever, the newspaper clippings, the metal, you know, it was all right there. So, yeah, but I, I thought it was a, an interesting um, story because it was, I know it's about the song, but I feel like they use the song to tell more of a, a, another story, like more of a journey of the evolution of of artists. Like uh, that was something that was really important to me. No, ev evolution completely. You get the feeling of that when you watch the documentary and you get to delve into your life so much more. So, so tell me about Vanessa then versus Vanessa now. Like if you had to put them side by side, what would be your major takeaway? It's easy to get hung up on some idea of what you're supposed to be. And I think what that Vanessa then maybe thought, um, okay, is this, this what I'm supposed to be? I don't, I guess. And then it's like, you know, as we grow up and as I've had all my life experiences, I, you start to formulate who you really are and what you want and what your values are. And I think the story of that song in a way is like, you kind of just have to put it aside and just keep growing. And you talked about that in, um, in, in the Vice special too, you said that you had gotten to a point where you hated that song. And, and we've seen so many musicians go through that with different parts of their work. How did you overcome that? 
Well, it's so funny. Like, first of all, I need some perspective. Like, I feel like I go through, like went through sort of a tantrum phase and then I got over it. You know, I, uh, Stevie Nicks, I have the great honor of calling her a very dear friend of mine. And she's really my mentor. And she said to me, this was years ago. She said, Vanessa, do you think there is any show that I play that I'm not playing landslide? And I, 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 Landslide is like, I mean, but we all know Landslide, but it's like the fact that she feels like given where she is at in her life and her career, and she still still knows that we are, if you're going to get on a stage, you are in service. You are meant to give yourself and create a show and give people an experience um, in addition to having your own experience what I was able to do. And the other thing I have a trick now, or I play the song first at my show. Oh. Like, I really create better be there <laughs> <really> on time. <laughs> <laughs> I have like this, you know, this idea of this, like I have a show that I want like, it to develop and it, and I, I open the show with like, let's let this elephant out of the cage here <laughs> and I'm going to play, play it. And then I was like, all right, let, let's let the show begin. You know? Oh, I love it. And for those who don't know, which I feel like people, um, a lot of people do now, what's it about to you? Oh, the show, yeah. It's, it's just about a um, crush I had when I was a teenager. And I guess this has made some news cycles because I, I had, it's, I've never mentioned. So I've never mentioned uh, the specific story, mm -hmm, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, I won't really go into specifics, but it is about somebody who's now very famous. So I can't ever say, I never want to share it. And, um, it has made news, by the way. I've I've, I've seen it, and their people are doing deep dives. You know how the internet is these days. Deep dive. Oh, They're like going through your Juilliard because, of course, you're so beautifully and wonderfully trained. Or going through your Juilliard yearbooks and saying, "Is it? Is it Jessica Chastain? Is it Oscar Isaac? Is it?" <laughs> like they're trying yeah, to figure yeah. out who. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I love mystery, and I love wondering what a song is about. And that's part of what I realize it's so special about whatever any songwriter that has a song that connects with a lot of people. It's like, wait a second, your story just became a lot of people's yeah, story. Yeah, for sure. Well, Vanessa, thank you so, so much for taking the time out and, and, and talking me through all of this. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Next up, Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade are an open book. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
don't know about you all, but I love me some Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade. The actress and the former NBA star are known to share details of their lives with the world via social media, be it the hilarious posts of their baby daughter, Kavia, or Shady Baby, as she's known on Instagram, or what their unique journey of parenthood has been like as a whole. People's Eileen Naha sat down with the couple for this week's cover story and got them to go even deeper into that journey. What I loved most was what they had to say about raising daughters, including their 13-year-old, Zaya Wade. Take a listen. We talk about raising free Black girls. Um, I wasn't raised to be free. I was raised to conform. I was raised to assimilate. I was, a, I, I was raised to be super conscious of the white gaze and to constantly shape shift so you can always be positioned as the exception. We are raising our, our kids to know that they are worthy because they exist. They are deserving because they exist. And we don't want them to ever shape shift for anyone else's uh, approval or acceptance. And it was interesting, I remember you guys saying that you had to unlearn a lot of what you had known before, what you had kind of assumed about the LGBTQ world and, and all of that. So tell me about that and kind of that journey, just because you've, you've spoken so beautifully about how it changed you and reframed things. Because it was starting when you said Nzai was three, right? That That's yeah. how, er, how early you were yeah. that you started kind of... <laughs> we looked at each other just like this, like, you know, and we decided at three years old that we were gonna approach it different. And up until that point, I only knew one way, you know, I knew the way that I was taught as an athlete. It's like, man up, it's, you know, and it was all those phrases and all those words. And and until Zaya, at three years old, we both looked at each other and, you know, had the conversation, you know, about the possibility, you know, of it and all of our friends and sitting down with them, we decided to approach it you know, in a different way. And I did, you know, I mean, I come from a locker room where, you know, this macho male dominant sport and, you know, and everything that you have supposedly have to be to play the game of, of basketball or play sport. Or I even come from a community where even if someone in my community was gay or if I had a, bas a teammate who was gay, they never felt comfortable ever being themselves because of what's said, you know, in our community, what's said, you know, in our locker rooms. And so I come from that. And Zaya, you know, growing up in our household, uh, me trying to be a supportive father and allow my kids to become who they are without me making them something, um, I, I, I started learning. I started to learn from her and I started to watch her. And then from there, we started having more conversations. We started educating ourselves. Um, and I started being able to educate others outside of our household. And that's for me, what was important. And then you just learn. And um, I'm never going to expose anyone that I love to hatred. And I look at problematic language as violence. And I'm never going to expose anyone I love to violence, whether that be verbal, physical, emotional, spiritual. I'm not going to do it. So either you get on board and you aren't a narrow minded bigot or look at all the fun we're having. Um, but I just I'm never going to trade uh, anyone's safety or peace for anything. So when it became apparent that, that Zaya perhaps might be part of the LGBTQIA community, um, we, we had to learn more. As she got older and, and once she identified as trans, I didn't have as many resources and, and people that I knew personally. So I just reached out to everyone that I knew from my uh, Instagram list and social media and when I say everyone um, responded with love, resources, information, 
literally connecting us to different organizations. Um, and it was, it was pure love. And, and I think what people responded to is like, we weren't coming into it like, we've got all the answers or it's got to be our way. It's like, we don't know. Um, and we're going to mess up. We're going to say the wrong thing. Please read us for filth because that's, you should. And we should just take it and we should learn um, instead of being sensitive sallies. We got to just listen and humble yourself and, and be led. And we also were very clear that you don't get to be in our home and be a bigot. Like our home will never be a safe space for bigots. So when people are like, but what am I going to do with Thanksgiving with my bigoted aunt? I don't know. Cut her off. <laughs> Maybe she has Thanksgiving alone. How about that? Yeah. I don't know. How about some hard, fast consequences <laughs> with a side of turkey? Um, by the way, the, the video of Zaya with, Mrs., with Michelle Obama, you must, were you floating or bawling or both? Well, I, was, I mean, that was so... I wasn't even home. He wasn't home. But I half, was working. Half the room that was the here was, and we were, she, she, she went into our study and she closed the doors, but we were all like on the other side of the door and there was like a little <laughs> sliver. And we're like, all, it's, all you see is a bunch of eyeballs like stacked on top of each other. And we we're all just bawling. We were just bawling. She was so amazing and dynamic. And to just be able to hold your own with Michelle Obama um, and be impactful, uh, yeah, that was. Yeah. She don't do much. Like like Zaya turns down everything. 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 She and cannot so, be. She just. I, when we got it for Michelle Obama, I was like, well, we'll try. <laughs> you know, it's 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 Michelle Obama, and Zaya was like, yes, and I was like, no, but did you read it? And she was like, yes, I do it, and we were like, yeah. we we're super excited because you know we know what she what Zaya represents, and we understands what Michelle Obama represents, and for her it. 13 years old to get a chance to have, you know, a conversation. And their conversation went on. They was like, hey, y'all get five minutes. It went on about almost 15 minutes. Like yeah. it was, and so I was like on the other side, like, what's going on? And none of them would respond to me. I'm like, well, I need to know what's going on. We're too busy crying. <laughs> but it was awesome. Yeah. Aww. I'm curious how kind of you, you know, in your individual careers, how how does it change, you know, you have so many platforms between the two of you to reach so many eyes and so many people, you know, what's most important and have you had to completely reframe what you, what you want to do going forward and what choices you make in your careers? Yeah, but like, it's better. And I wish I would have done it sooner. Um, I'm reading scripts differently. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, you have to staff differently. You have to, Okay, if, 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 if we're trying to create the world we want to see, and if we're trying to be the change we want to see, we can't just talk the talk, we have to walk the walk. And in the past, I would have probably read a script and maybe not even recognized some of the problematic scenes or characters or dialogue. And now I, you know, I'm, I'm like, what is our goal here? Do we want to insult and offend the audience or do we want them to leave feeling good? How do you feel, Dwayne? Because obviously you've, you've made you know, over the years, that's been such a huge part of what you do and who you are is, is that element of, of speaking out for other people, helping out. And in a way that, I mean, certainly not everyone does and, and not everyone who's in the athlete world as you have, I mean, as you are. Um, has that always kind of been an intentional, you know, or it's just felt right? Yeah, it's, it's not been... intentional. I mean, it, I mean, just to, to be honest, there's times where you don't want it. I mean, just honest. So you don't want to add something to your plate. You'd be like, this is just something else. It's something else someone can come at me for. It's something else that takes my time away from my family or takes my time away from this. You know, I, a lot of my life early on, I would run away from, I was like, I don't want it. I don't want the responsibility. It's, it's extra. 
And now I just decided to uh, embrace, you know, just embrace the journey of life. You know, we've lost people in our world that, you know, once you look at it, you start understanding how precious life is. And, you know, you also understand that I do, you know, is understand that I have a purpose, right? Our goal in this world, in, in this world is to fulfill the purpose that was bestowed upon us, right? And so, you know, my purpose um, is bigger than I, it's bigger than anything I can see. And so, you know, it's always about, let's continue to keep going, continue to keep elevating, continue to keep evolving, continue to keep being open. That was Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade, featured on the cover of this week's issue. For much more on them, pick up a copy on stands and head over to people.com. Now, something to make you smile. Alicia Keys' 10-year-old son, Egypt, is following in her famous footsteps. While playing the piano, he belted out his rendition of the iconic 80s hit, Sweet Dreams Are Made For This, by The Eurythmics. Listen to a snippet of the duet between him and his mom. Alicia captured the moment and then posted it to Instagram saying, I love being a part of his practice and I love being his background singer. He is making magic. <laughs> I love it. I, I'm already picturing his Grammy performances. <laughs> Talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow. 